0: Listening to Scarlet Bay Community Radio, listen to Saturday Chronicle with John S. Kelly and myself, Jim Collins. Today, um, for this segment of the programme, we're joined by uh, our colleague here, um, David Fleming. David, you're very welcome. Thank you, Jim. Hello, John. Hello, hello, David. And David, you have brought along one of your colleagues. I have. uh, For a chat today. And that's Professor Oliver McGar. Oliver, you're very welcome. Thanks very much. Uh, mm. Just to, to, to place you uh, you're, you're in UL You're on the staff of UL And you're living in Ogonolo. That's true Yeah. And you have a great interest in camogie I believe
1: <laughs> Well you'd have to have living in Ogonolo. <laughs> yes that's true <laughs> And uh, you have young ladies who are playing I do I have some daughters on the uh, Scarf Ogonola team And uh, under 15s, 13s and 10s Lovely It keeps me busy
0: Great, and you do a bit of coaching yourself.
1: Yeah, help out like every parent does, you know. So hopefully, see the next generation of players.
0: Yes, hopefully, the future, yeah. We'll be yeah. going off to different parts of the county and the country. Yeah, uh, in time to come, like we have been for the last few years. Yeah, we'll be very lucky. Yeah. Okay, we're talking to you because, as I said in, in earlier on, you are in UL. You're in the education department in UL, and um, you're currently you're you're a researcher mostly would that be true to say?
1: Um, presently yes um, at the moment I'm leading uh, the evaluation of the junior cycle so that was a change at lower secondary school level. Um, back in about 2014 um, the government changed the old junior cert to a new program called the junior cycle and um, it was implemented on a phase basis for the next number of years and then in 2020 there was a call um, made by the Department of Education uh, and Skills and the National Council for Curriculum and Assessment to undertake a four-year um, evaluation, a longitudinal evaluation of the, of the programme. So um, myself and a group of colleagues in UL responded to that and we were awarded the contract in 2020. So we've been out in schools talking to parents, to t- uh, students, to teachers and principals and even educational stakeholders about their experiences of it. Okay, and in,
0: in relation to the um, the junior cert, you know, what stage are we at in the junior cert at the moment, uh, compared to when we did the junior cert or the intercert in our Yeah,
1: well, the the main reasons for the changes was that there was research done in about two thousand and six by Emer Smith in the ESRI and other res- research studies around that time, and they found that there was an increasing number of young teenagers around the age of 14 disengaging from schools, mm. particularly young boys. Um, and the reasons for that was they, the junior cert at the time was too academic. And in effect, it was seen as a mini leaving cert. Mm. Um, students didn't um, understand uh, why they were learning a lot of the material. Um, and and also they, they didn't relate to the, 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 the uh, material that they were being asked to learn. Um, and at the same time, there was a global shift towards looking at um, curriculum more so in terms of skills rather than content. So that you know, we learn subjects not for the sake of learning a subject, but we learn a subject so that we can acquire transferable skills that we can use in real life. So, you know, you might learn, undertake a project in geography, uh, not just for the sake of doing a project in geography, but in that project you learn problem-solving skills, you learn collaborative skills, Mm. you learn writing skills. So there was... An issue with the, the, the junior cycle, in, in or junior cert, it was a mini-leaving cert effectively. Students were disengaging from it, and there was also this international research saying, you know, curriculum needs to shift towards more skills. So on foot of that, the government started um, a consultation process in uh, about 2010 looking at uh, you know possible options and then they introduced the changes in 2014. Now when they introduced them they phased them in because they didn't have the capacity to bring it in all at the same time so they phased it in on a number of subjects every year or two and the final subjects took it on in 2020 um, and so all subjects now are, are, are running it um, and, and I suppose it's, it's our role to see and we're not evaluating schools. We're not going out to see like where schools are. We're not. We see ourselves working with schools. So mm. our job is to allow schools to tell their story of the changes. Mm. So we're we want to be the voice of teachers, of students, of of, of parents. Um, and so we've we a couple of reports out already. And what we're emphasising is that this is, you know, we we stress the idea that teachers don't implement curriculum; they enact it. So. You know, we might have intentions about what a curriculum is supposed to do, but ultimately, that's placed in the hands of teachers in schools. So, the school culture is going to influence how how it's adopted. A teachers' beliefs and values are going to Im- influence how it's adopted. And so, we want to see how is it in some way enacted in schools, and what are the factors that, in some way, refract the changes. Mm-hmm. Um, are the
0: school the the skills that we we'll say we're talking about, yeah. and and learning these skills through True subjects, rather than studying subjects for their own yeah. for the knowledge that's there, um, are are they skills which would be transferable to the workplace, or are they general skills for the life, uh, the future life of a student?
1: They're, they're they're yeah they're not. I would say that they're general. Uh, skills transferable to all aspects of their lives they're not just vocationally orientated skills so for example well-being is a very critical part of the new junior cycle looking after yourself uh, being able to manage yourself so these uh, yes there are skills that are more related to kind of problem solving in workplace settings and using digital technology and being ICT literate but a lot of them is actually about seeing the person as an individual and developing their skills sorry could I interrupt you yeah
2: do you see the personality of a teacher as being a critical part of what's going to happen in the classroom, irrespective of what dictate, dictates are coming from elsewhere? The actual lack, some people, and I was asked to, to, to ask you this, you know, okay? yeah, and it's one I'm warm to, and it is the uh, question of personal development of a teacher in a training college. To what extent does a training college take on the responsibility of uh, identifying uh, personal traits which could be counterproductive to the wider objectives which you're talking about?
1: Yeah, that's that's a complex one, John, because you know in the past a lot of teacher uh, training colleges, as they were called, we we tend to use the term teacher education now, but. A lot of them had interviews, for example, to select candidates. But what actually there was a lot of criticism about that because, in effect, you had privileged middle class white people interviewing other people, and it was effectively picking people from the same pool.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know whether they did, you know they didn't have the right accent or mm-hmm. maybe we don't see them fitting in. Well, who were those privileged people to make that decision? So a lot of the teacher education courses now don't have those restrictions on entry. And also, because of the teaching council has been established, which is the professional body that's overseas teachers, it's no longer the remit of, of universities and teacher education colleges to decide whether somebody is suitable to teach. That's now up to the professional body itself, the teaching council, to make that determination. Mm-hmm. So in effect, the, 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 there's been quite a shift in the power dynamics there. But I think one of the biggest challenges we would have, and I would say this as a teacher educator, is that... Teaching is probably the only profession in the world where somebody comes in at the age of 19 to a teacher education program and largely they believe they know what teachers do. Mm. So if you, if you imagine taking a four-year-old and getting a four-year-old to sit and observe and watch an architect work, until they were 18 years of age mm. by the time they get to an architectural course they'll say look you don't need to teach me what an architect does I know what an architect <laughs> does I'm just here for the qualification Yeah. so there's this there's a, there's a concept in, in teacher education um, research known as the apprenticeship of observation that all student teachers have a 12 to 16 year apprenticeship of observation mm. so they think they know what teaching is about because they see what yeah, teachers right. do yeah. but they don't see what teachers think Mm. And one of the problems we have is that we are trying to challenge these stereotypes and these what's called lay theories of teachers. Mm. So they, they often go out and want to teach like their best teacher. Yeah. And our biggest challenge is we kind of say to our student teachers, look, it's much more important to be a first-rate version of yourself than a second-rate version of somebody else. Mm. And so our biggest challenge is trying to deconstruct these beliefs that they have about teaching that they have never critically reflected on. And that's why we spoke about critical reflection. That's why it's a critical part of teacher education because we see critical reflection as the ability to challenge the assumptions that you have about your practice or about the world. So so yeah. teacher education, it's, it's, I would say, like, if you look at, there's a lot of research coming out of Galway, University of Galway at the moment, Emmanuel Hines and Elaine Kane would be two researchers that do a lot of work on this. That show that the Irish teaching profession is very homogenous. They tend to be middle-class white people going into schools, and oftentimes they don't reflect the diverse communities that are out there. So I think we need to find alternative ways to get other people into teaching, so it starts to reflect the diversity of the population. Mm -hmm. And so, if we start making kind of, uh, if we start considering what are the traits that we need, the first question I'd ask is who determines what those traits are and, and perhaps maybe we should be going out to communities and saying, what are the traits you want from a teacher? Um, rather than us saying these are the traits we think we want so it's it's so
2: you anticipate what might well, hypothesising on, on that, what might emerge from community, from the wider community with well, regard to what they want out of
1: yeah, teacher. And I I well I'm looking at looking at this now from the lens of social justice I know there's a lot of research in the states that would talk about teachers as community activists which when I first heard it I thought it was a very strange concept but the idea that teachers don't teach in a school they teach in a community and teachers need to understand the community that they come from Mm. they need to understand you know what's it like to live in that community um, the beliefs and values people have in that community you know you could be living in it you could be working You could be commuting into a very disadvantaged community, for example, to work in a school, Mm. but not know the community Mm. that you're in. Mm. So uh, perhaps maybe what I would say, one of the most important things for I would see that a teacher needs, particularly teachers that stay in the profession, is to have to have a strong sense of social justice. And I believe an awful lot of teachers do have a strong sense of social justice. Teachers often go the extra mile to help students out that they know they need that help, mm. you know, and, and that's not something they have to do. And would do you
2: consider it, that if they don't, they are failing
1: the profession? Would um, you go that far? I suppose it depends on what we consider to be the profession. You, 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 like we In out, a very
2: wide sense, anyway.
1: Yeah, like, I'll give you an example. I spoke to two principals recently. It's part of the junior cycle research. One was from a very well healed school in, in, in a large city, on the east coast, that's a capital. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That narrows it down. Yeah, it and yeah. begins with a D. And um, they, they said in, uh, something along the lines of, "Look, um, education at this school is very, very simple. You come in, you get your junior cycle, you get your leaving cert, you go on to college, and you get a nice white collar job at the end of it. And that's what they saw education is about. A couple of weeks later." I was interviewing a a principal in a very disadvantaged school in another city in in, in Ireland Um, and this was a very, very disadvantaged school, very high levels of unemployment, uh, huge numbers of migrant children from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they at one stage had something like 30 different nationalities in the school. Um, And she said that she was used to going into cafes and restaurants and being served by kids that were going to the very well-heeled private school up the road. Um, and she had noticed that since the junior cycle came in and there was an emphasis on students having the confidence to speak up and to give their yeah. opinions and to think for themselves and have the confidence to engage with people. that She was starting to see more and more of the children from her school going into these roles in the, in the, uh, the tourism uh, mm. industry that in the town she was or the city she was working in. And she said to me, isn't that what education is all about? isn't it about helping people find their place in the world Mm -hmm. so i I think it it depends on you know we can see education means different things to different people and and i suppose there are some teachers so there are some teachers working in schools that get to 600 points for so many students and everyone is happy with them there's other teachers working in very difficult conditions that help students to read and write and give students confidence to go out into the world and that's equally as successful Mm -hmm. probably in my view more successful so I think it's about values and what we see education to be about. So
2: from what you say, you're naturally drawn towards partners that share that type of of, uh, perspective on teaching and on the profession itself. That's coming. So I I would expect that if I observe you when you come out to uh, evaluate a student, and I'm a fly on the wall going around with you, I suspect you're going to be engaging in a different way altogether to the traditional way that uh, we evaluate the work of a teacher. I mean, you mentioned two words there, self-confidence. No, the first one you mentioned, I forget what the second one was. But uh, the self-confidence, to what extent do you think that should be a definite objective of uh, a teacher?
1: I, I wouldn't say uh, self confidence is probably um, uh, not something. Confidence can sometimes mean, you know, somebody might be probably a you know it could be an ego kind of driven thing. For me, education is a journey into your own ignorance. It's the more educated you become, the more you realise the less you know. And I think teachers that recognise that they're not experts in something, um, and that they're willing to learn and and develop and they they see opportunities of learning with their students Mm -hmm. are the types of teachers that I think become the best Mm -hmm. teachers yes I think the teachers that come in and say I'm the expert I know everything and I'm here to impart all of my knowledge onto you you'll find students recoil from teachers like that so Mm -hmm. there's a kind of a I think great educators there's a humbleness to great educators because they they recognize their own limitations Mm -hmm. and so the confidence side for me um, maybe a quiet confidence in your ability to engage with people rather than a confidence in your expertise, if that makes sense mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering then uh, does the you know, looking at the, the new framework for the junior cycle and, and, and many laudable goals and aims that it has is the leaving cert um, goes in a different direction and you know, you mentioned yourself about point. it's all about the point system. Yeah. It doesn't matter what values you have. It doesn't terribly matter, within reason, what skills you have. Yeah. Even though some skills you may use, obviously, in study for, for the, but, but it's a different kettle of fish altogether. Yeah. And um, how do students? I want to react to that change midstream.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the biggest things we're finding. We're finding issues, what we call continuity issues a lot of the criticisms of the changes to the junior cycle are not criticisms of the junior cycle itself, but its lack of um, alignment with the existing Leaving Cert system. Mm. Um, So teachers will often say, for example, that students are not prepared for their Leaving Cert courses as much as they used to be, Mm. or that they can't complete Leaving Cert examination papers um, because they have no experience of similar papers at junior cycle. So the idea, you know, if if you follow that line of thinking, the junior cycle is just a preparation for Leaving mm. Cert. And I think we need to start, we need to take a step back and say, actually, hold on a sec. What is lower secondary school education about? Should it not have its own identity and its and, and should it not have its own purpose than simply being a, serving a Leaving Cert system? Mm. And I think w- we're finding, for example, that teachers are saying that students have acquired great skills at junior cycle level. And you hear teachers saying, and they will be of real great value to them when they get to university or go out to work, but they're not needed at Leaving yeah. Cert. <laughs>
3: but is the logic, Ollie, then, of what you're saying is that actually the Leaving Cert needs to be entirely reformed, or are you saying that the junior cycle does one particular thing and we should, uh, we, we should enhance it and uh, respect it in its own right, and then the Leaving Cert should do something else?
1: Yeah, there, there is a, a move, there, there are changes to leaving cert. Um, you might have heard the minister talking about pausing certain innovations because mm. they have to explore things about AI. So leaving cert subjects are going to move to, to align with the language and the thinking of the junior cycle. So that's, that's happening. Skills-based
3: competencies yes. and so on.
1: But remember, if we see secondary schools as ultimately sorting mechanisms for different uh, careers and 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 professions then the ruling classes will always use that mechanism to serve their ends so mm-hmm. the biggest problem I think with the, the leaving cert- certificate is that it has been hijacked by the third level sector. Mm-hmm. The third level sector has hijacked a state examination and used it as an entry requirement into third level mm-hmm. and ultimately that needs to be decoupled because once we use that as as a determination into third level, you are always going to have uh, people that have access to greater resources maximising their chances to go into your third Mm. level and then students that don't have access to similar resources uh, missing out on opportunities.
2: Mm.
1: How do you you, uh,
2: cope with the question of personal development being a part of teacher training?
1: I, I think we designed our teacher education model in ul around the idea of me becoming a teacher of young people in irish schools and we broke it down into those four elements Mm. so the first part is me becoming me becoming i need to understand myself the personal development a teacher which is the pedagogy Mm -hmm. of young people then we understand educational psychology and the development of the child in Irish schools. Then we need to understand the historical and sociological context in which schools reside in. So if you look at those four pillars we have in, in UL, mm-hmm. the me becoming is a really important part because oftentimes when we observe and experience issues in the classroom, we forget that what we see is is through the lens of who we are. Mm-hmm. And so what one teacher might yeah. see as a disruptive class another teacher might see as a young group of children that are eager for more knowledge Mm
3: -hmm.
1: yeah so what we have to we try and get them to recognise through reflective practice that ultimately all of your experiences are filtered by who you are
2: Um, Okay. would you buy into the idea that a school the school architecture lends itself may lend itself towards positive outcomes for students
1: well uh, just on the physical environment of the school I mean I know of examples of where some teachers have reported in this study where they've moved into new buildings as mm. part of an amalgamation mm. and they have said that the staff were very motivated because oh they were yeah. going into a new pleasant environment and also there was a sense that we're starting afresh and we've new opportunities and, and it gives them a sense to try things out. Mm. But if you look at the meta-analysis of international research studies, yeah. it shows that the quality of the uh, building has a very little impact on students' overall learning. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There, there, I don't know what I meant to include there, but I see schools as having a series of hubs, some of which promote, by the, the, the way it's organised, promote um, the perhaps integration or black spots, if you like to put it, okay, um, that become challenges for leadership within school. And for class, for teachers, okay, and um, and so I wonder, do you think, excuse <coughs> me, experiencing as a teacher, experiencing uh, skill development around the around some of the objectives which you mentioned earlier, do you know? Um, so. We're left with the situation. I'm told uh, that um, student teachers hear a lot of theory about whatever about is. You yeah. know, okay, but do not experience the actual uh, necessary uh, techniques. Take for take for example, how much. Would, it, would a student teacher be alert to the dynamism, the dynamism of the staff room, the potential which the, the staff room has to be a positive, you know, uh, experience? Uh, how about the staff meeting? How how impo- how significant will the the leadership in the school, okay, uh, accept the reality? The staffing is a team job, yeah. so why does the principal? Uh, always chair
1: it. Yeah, and I I think if you look at even the language in teacher education now, in my time, student teachers went out on a thing called teaching practice. If you even think about it, it's teaching practice. We don't uh, use that term anymore in in Ireland. We use it school placement. Mm -hmm. And what we mean is, you're being placed in a school, so you're not out just to practise your teaching. Obviously there's going to be a practising of of your teaching methods, but you're not not doing that, you're entering a school community. So there is as much of an onus on them to observe other teachers teach. For example, if there's uh, department meetings or subject department meetings, we require them to sit in and listen and hear how teachers collaborate and professionally engage in dialogue with each other. And we even get them, in some cases, to do community mapping, which is to go out to the yeah. community, understand where this school is situated, so that they realise yeah. that, you know, we're not going out there to practice teaching. We're going out to be part of a school community. Yes, And I think that's critical, because yeah. otherwise you're going in, Lorty, from, uh, a researcher from the 1970s called Dan Lorty, often described uh, he described schools like the egg crate model of schooling. He said each subject has its own little space in the egg crate and no egg touches another egg.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas we would like to see them actually know everybody interacts together and you need to understand for example as much about what the history teacher is doing if you're an engineering teacher as you do about the maths teacher because you're all working as part of a community. And that brings
2: in the team teaching then. Of course, the absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Which is a hugely formative experience. Mm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm
0: just thinking, I suppose, from coming from a primary background, which yeah. I have done, uh, I certainly would have got very little, uh, in St. Pat's back in the 1970s, very little um, training in how to be a teaching principal. I sort of learned on the job over a good <laughs> many years. And I suppose the, the, the other thing I just, you know, with you... Ideas in education. Has anyone told the inspectors? <laughs> uh, because the inspectors seem to, uh, you know, in, in often the inspectors are seen as a negative uh, input yeah. mm. into primary schools that you kind of have to stop everything they're doing, put on a bit of a show for whatever, and then go back to when the inspector is gone. And it shouldn't be like that because, I, I you know, inspectors have an awful lot to offer from their own experience by doing it in a different way. Mm. That's not a reflection on the inspectors. It's laid out for them what they have yeah. to do by the department. This may not be your function at all now mm. and it probably isn't.
1: Yeah I, I always think though when you look at how we respond to the likes of inspectors and anybody that's looking over our shoulder no matter what we're doing, particularly if it's in an official capacity, we, I think we have a, a kind of a bit of a, a post-colonial mindset almost of somebody else is mm. coming to see what yeah. we're doing. Um, I would say that what we're finding with the junior cycle is that they introduce these things with teachers called uh, SLAR meetings subject uh, learning and uh, review meetings and um, the idea is teachers come together and they bring artefacts of students work to share and what we're finding is teachers are more collaborative uh, in some ways and part of that collaboration is trying to gather evidence of the impact of their practices at a subject level and also Mm. the school level and i i i suspect that over time um you'll have a situation where there's more of a dialogue with the inspector to say look here's the evidence we have around how we're tackling issues of student well-being and mental health issues in our school this is the evidence we've collected over the last number of years this is what we're working towards and I could see the inspector as being more of a consultant's role, mm. saying that's a good idea. Now, yeah. have you considered X or mm. have you considered Y? Because yeah. I think, yeah, there's often a tendency when somebody is coming in to assess. Mm. There's an automatic power dynamic there. Mm. And we assume a particular role and the assessor assumes a particular role. Mm. But I think that's changing because yeah. I think there's a, an initiative in, in, in at second level around schools uh, being more rigorous in the data they collect to make decisions. And I think as schools become, uh, ratchet that up, I think the role of the inspectors will take on a different... Yeah. And also I think, just to to mention as as well, that like, recognising society is changing quite significantly and a lot of experienced teachers would say it's a very, very different role than it would have been 10 or 20 Mm. years ago. Mm. And I think... The inspectorship are probably seeing that and they're probably having to respond to that and acknowledge that teaching is a challenging profession in a lot of contexts. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, well, you mentioned post-colonialism. Of course, our national school system was devised nearly 200 years ago and the whole role of the inspector has been there since the beginning, even calling... Such people, inspectors, seems a very odd thing.
0: Consultants on, yeah.
3: You know, there must be a better word, um, which would, which would go to what you're talking to, uh, Jim. Ali um, reflecting on, on y- on your research project and where you are. I know you're right in the middle of it, and I know you said you're coming out with your third interim repo- report, but. Have you any high-level conclusions at this stage about the framework for junior cycle in Ireland? I mean, this is going to be an important report, which will be submitted to the NC, the National Curriculum, and whatever assessment, it was, yeah, assessment yeah. And, and and probably even onto the minister's desk ultimately. Um, what can we expect from your report?
1: Um, high-level, well. We, we will submit this, and we have submitted all our interim reports to the NCCA. Um, as independent researchers, we're simply saying this is what we're finding from schools. Like, ultimately, w- what's done with that is, is, is a matter for the NCCA and the DES. But in terms of the high-level issues, like, one of the biggest things coming across consistently now in the last two reports is that you can't take a new philosophy to uh, school curriculum and implemented in schools, yet bolt on a a more traditional understanding of assessment onto the end of it. Mm -hmm. And that's the the critical issue. You can't take a a curriculum that is supposed to afford greater teacher autonomy, uh, greater student input, more shift towards uh, collaborative uh, participatory learning with students, um, and, and, and allowing students to take ownership of their own learning. You can't... Take that, all that whole philosophy and simply bolt on an old, outdated, um, centralised terminal examination and expect a thing to run coherently. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. A, a critical thing. And, and I, I do think that as I go through this process, I think it, it boils down to much deeper issues around what is education about and what, why, why do schools exist? All I, I know it sounds very, very big and profound and stuff. But, but if you look at a, at a typical fourteen-year-old, you know, child that's that's going into the local school in Scariff here, mm-hmm. what is education about? Why are they going in there? Mm-hmm. Do we see them going in there to be a carpenter or a or a nurse or whatever, or do we see them saying, "Look, what profession and 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 job they decide to go into is another matter." what about them as an individual mm. like we're, we're in a society now where people are more subject to fake news they're bo- they're being more manipulated by media and um, we're, we're living in a society where there's more issues around um, mental health there's more issues around you know what I would argue an erosion of probably community values and yeah. um, what, what role should schools play in relation to that Okay,
0: I'm afraid the clock has beaten us. (laughs) And it's been a fascinating discussion, which only begs the question, Oliver, that uh, maybe you might come back to us again, and we'll continue on. We're very grateful. Many thanks for coming in. Hopefully our listeners have found it interesting, and maybe some of our listeners are students, and uh, they have, you know, first-hand knowledge of what we're talking about. So uh, Oliver McGar, Professor Oliver McGar from UL, Many thanks for joining us today. Thanks very much. Thank you, Ali.